0: Hey Hawkeye fans, Chad Lestico of the Des Moines Register eventful Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. It was the kids day at Kinnick scrimmage uh, and Tyler Tashman joined me for the first time at Kinnick Stadium, right? I mean inside the you know facility to see some Hawkeye football. We got a ton to discuss today. We are also going to recap Iowa Football Media Day, which was yesterday, but certainly Tyler, uh, you know, no time for small talk when QB one gets hurt. So let's jump right into it. And, uh, I'm sure this will probably take a little bit, but, uh, I, I wrote it down. 117 PM, uh, was the time of Cade McNamara's crumpling to the Duke Slater field, uh, field turf. And honestly, <laughs> the, uh, I mean, honestly, the notes I took the rest of the scrimmage were just not really important because anything we talked about, if he had been seriously hurt, yeah, would have been pretty moot. I mean, uh, I'm not saying the season would have been over, but it was a scary moment. We'll get to the specific updates, but you were on the field during this whole deal and posted a video. We haven't really got a chance to talk. We've been writing stories, posting videos. So give me your sense of kind of one seventeen p.m. and the aftermath.
1: <laughs> uh, you're really, man, that, that that time is is really kind of adding a dramatic effect to everything here. Um, well, also, first I got to say, I apologies for people watching this uh, or watching this. My hair is kind of crazy. I was wearing a bucket hat, so I didn't get totally fried today, but if you what if you're listening to the podcast version you just it's our, I'm glad that you're listening to it and not watching but um so basically the play it was kind of just an awkward play like Cade scrambled and it and got past the line of scrimmage and then just kind of like looked like he lost his balance and kind of did like a little um belly flop forward like kind of slid forward and it was probably one of those plays where in a in a setting like this you you wish that he would have just, they just ended the play or he, he wouldn't even run because there's not like, they weren't going to hit him anyway. So it wasn't like, it was like necessary for him to do that. But at the same time, like he's trying to prepare for the season and I'm sure he's probably not really thinking about that. Like mid play, like, okay, like let's pull up. Cause he's a competitor and a competitive guy. So um it was just kind of one of those awkward, awkward kind of plays. And so, I mean, he, he was up on his own power. It wasn't like he was, right. you know, holding and rocking back on his knee or anything. Like he walked off. So then he came back, uh, you know, a handful of minutes later after going into the tunnel. Didn't have pads. It was on a while. Him. It was a while. Yeah. But yeah. But but he <laughs> a came, long wait. He came back, or it at least felt longer than probably yeah. it was. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> came back without shoulder pads on. And he seemed like he was in decent spirits. Like he was walking fine. There wasn't anything like visually you could tell like was wrong. So I don't know if you want to add more to that, but
0: yeah, no ice packs around his knee. Uh, For obviously, this thing isn't televised. You know, it's not on. You know, there's not a live stream that I know of, um, unless there's a bootleg out there. Anybody bootlegging this kids' day scrimmage? In 2023, I don't know. I don't, but, well,
1: I guess my videos were probably the closest to a bootleg, but <laughs> but uh, you know, so it was
0: uh, it was a little bit interesting. You see, so you just sort of write down notes and, and the play by play what happened. So, Kid gets up, uh, he kind of motions, Hey, I gotta come out, and then Deacon Hill goes in, uh, he talks to the trainer, and then they make the slow walk to the tunnel, and then it's just like, Uh, okay, Joe Labus is already out, Deacon Hill. You know, he's the number two, but you don't want the whole season with Deacon Hill. No offense to him. Uh, so uh, it was nerve. It was a lot of fans were very nervous. And and it was the same right knee that, that Cade McNamara had surgically repaired, at least like he had, he, he, he went down like right at the Tigerhawk. OK, so his right knee was like black from the turf mark or whatever. So it was clearly the right side um, that was bothering him. And that was the knee he got really prepared. So non-contact injury, you you know, you see these things all the time. Um, (laughs) And one, I got a little update from our friend Dargan um, is, it's just scary because you've seen innocent looking injuries turn into ACLs or whatever And, you know, McNamara had the surgery in November, didn't do any 11 on 11 in spring. So he's been waiting eight months, nine months to to go 11 on 11. In fact, longer because he only played through week three at Michigan. So he really hasn't been out there for like 11 months in 11 on 11. Um, So the update, let's get to the update. Uh, But I'm just kind of describing like all the things that are running through everyone's head and our heads, too, because as as reporters, I mean, I I was on a four o'clock deadline today. It was like. Pushing two o'clock, he's not out there yet. Um, We only get Kirk Ferentz after practice, so it was a little bit harrowing, I would say. And then our our producer, you know, colleague on the Hawkeye beat, Dargan Southern, said someone, you know, mentioned that FanDuel took Iowa's season win totals down during that time. That's (laughs) that's how scary the situation was for the you know the sports books too. It's like ah. You know, they don't want people just hammering the the under eight and a half because they're not winning eight and a half, I don't think, with Deacon Hill. So uh, let me read some quotes from Kirk Ferentz. Uh, Just obviously you can tell it's not major because we would have led with that. But he said uh, that, you know, it's unfortunate, obviously. He needs to work like everyone out here needs work, but hopefully nothing too serious. Uh, Anybody, anytime anybody goes down, that's the worst part of football uh and then he said it's not structural as far as i know and then and that was basically the update uh soft tissue muscular not um not the knee he said it was above the knee so i'm guessing tyler we're talking about a quad strain quad pull uh day to day was kind of the class- classification uh last quote here from kirk is uh he's not happy because he doesn't want to miss time he doesn't like not playing he doesn't like not practicing. I just told him injuries are part of the game. It stinks, but my guess is he'll wear the training staff out the next couple of days or whatever it takes. I'll know more next week, but I'm not alarmed. So, give me your takeaway from what Kirk Ferentz said and uh, you know how fans maybe should be feeling right now.
1: Yeah, I felt like kind of like a roller coaster of an hour, you know, hour and a half or 2 hours, but I don't I mean based on what I saw and what Kirk Ferentz said, and I don't want to speak on this saying like this is concrete, but it didn't look too like concerning. Like Kate, if it was really bad, you would think that he wouldn't have come back onto the field. Like he he came back onto the field. He was talking with Joe Evans. Like it, it seemed like he was in okay spirits. He was walking around fine. Um, I, I it didn't there there's not really any indications that this is something major and obviously injuries are injuries and things can change, but I feel like based on everything we've seen and, and based on everything we've heard, like it's fine, or he will be fine, I guess. And I guess if you also look at it from the fact that like if it is something more minor, he still has what is so the first game is three weeks. Like if it's something minor, he still has a handful of weeks to rest and, or if he needs to take a week, he can, you know, it's not like they're playing tomorrow. So um, obviously three weeks isn't a lot of time, but it is, if it's something minor, then that isn't all right amount of time for you to kind of just wait things out.
0: Sure. And uh, let's get into, well, I guess the time frame. Yeah. I would think he's, there's a very low chance that he's going to practice this week. Uh, you know, I'll be, surprised you know it, this is not a time of year where Kirk Ferentz rushes guys back uh, they want to get guys to September 1st and uh, i'm sure this will you know slow down the timetable but at the same time he needs to be out there i mean he, he's learning a new offense guys are still developing rapport with him you know he didn't have that time with even Seth Anderson in the spring who we're going to talk about and Caleb Brown in the spring those guys weren't available or here so really he doesn't have a lot of experience with guys outside of the tight ends outside of the walk-ons and maybe Deontay Vines you know because Nico Reggaini was also hurt in the spring so uh, and Regaini was out today so again it's 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 a little concerning but it's not alarming as Kirk Ferentz said uh, I, I feel confident that Cade McNamara will start week one against Utah State and that's a good headline coming out of kids day you know at 117 that would have been a very welcome headline. Uh, at t- uh, and by about 2.17 or so, that's when Kirk Ferentz at least reassured us that it was going to be okay. Uh, let's get into what McNamara did on the field today, Tyler. Uh, before I get into it, I mean, I took a lot of notes up in the press box. You were down on the field doing the videos. I, I encourage folks to to check out his uh, composite clips from Kids Day already up on Hawk Central. Uh, my column on the thoughts of the day are also up on Hawk Central. What were your impressions before I get into what I thought uh, about Cade and the offense while he was out there?
1: I thought, well, first, I guess what makes this more complicated is that it's hard to know if if Iowa's defense is like a top five defense in the country. Then it's like, how do you judge Iowa's offense because they might be playing one of the best defenses in the country? So um, just keep that in mind, I guess. But I'll also I'll, I'll start by saying I think the offensive line in offense, I think they look better than last season, but I, I think it, at least I felt like there was still room for growth. It felt like uh, the defensive line w- was getting a lot of pressure uh, in the backfield. And uh, that's kind of how, if I recall correctly, like that's how when Caden McNamara started at like the first drive or so was like that where he, he just didn't have a whole lot of time there was a lot of pressure it seemed like the offensive line was a little bit shaky um but there were i think as it went on there were some nice flashes he uh one guy that really stood out i thought was Seth Anderson uh the Charleston Southern uh transfer at, at receiver uh he had a touchdown catch that that Cade McNamara kind of fit in a little uh, a little window and and he did a good job of uh holding on to it then there was a couple uh, deeper balls at Cade McNamara through, so I think that overall you can say that it's better than last year from from what I see have seen, and and obviously this is a smaller sample size. I think it's better than last year. I think it's far from perfect, and there's still a lot of room to grow. But there were some kind of little encouraging flashes that we saw over you know the course that Cade was playing. So I don't know what you what you're kind of sound off on that, but that's kind of how I felt it was.
0: Yeah. Good context. You always got to bring up that, that Iowa's defense, you know, is out there. Uh, no Cooper DeGene though. That was one notable name missing from the defense. Uh, just so people know before you forget, sounds like good chance he'll be back to practice this week. Soft tissue thing. Um, I, if you, if you check out my video with him from Hawk central yesterday from media day, uh, he talked about, you know, he he feels healthy. He does. It it, it did not seem like he, this was anything to worry about. So, but anyway, the rest of the defense was out there. I mean, Jamari Harris was out there. Uh, he picked off Cade McNamara. Uh, who was the other person that, that picked him off? It was uh, Deshaun
1: the, no, was it? Deshaun Lee?
0: No, Lee picked off Hill both times. It was uh, T.J. Hall. T.J. T.J. Hall had the other one off the the Eric All deflection. That was not Cade's fault. It was in. It was a good throw on a short pass, and then all just couldn't hang on, and uh, somebody jarred it loose like while he was trying to kind of juggle it, and it and it kind of fell into TJ Hall's hands. So goes down as a pick, though. Uh, I one thing I would say is Cade I think took some chances. Um, you know I, that game manager label certainly wasn't there today. He wasn't going for the checkdowns for the most part, although he did have one nice checkdown to Seth Anderson. I think that went for 24 yards pretty early. Had a real nice laser of a pass to Caleb Brown for 20. I know fans would be excited to hear about that. That was on a third and eight. Got him a first down. Caleb Brown points downfield. Fans are excited about that. Next pass, though, was the, was picked off by Jamari Harris. So uh, it was kind of like a little bit of an up and down. But certainly the two notable things for me were the deep shots. Uh, back-to-back uh, hits Anderson for 37 yards in double coverage. Uh, perfect throw outside the hash toward the sideline, not out of bounds. I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, Spencer Petris or another Iowa quarterback overthrow that ball or just miss it? Uh, you know, when a guy had a step, he was hitting him. And then the very next play, or I think it was the next play. Let's see. I'll look at my notes here. But Deontay Vines, 45 yards. Um, same thing, up the left sideline. Beat Jamari Harris this time. Unofficially, I had Cade going 6 for 13. Uh, for 139, so uh, high yards per attempt, nearly 11 yards per attempt, but did have a lower percentage and the two interceptions. So um, and that's very unofficial, though, so you know, don't take that to the bank. That's just my notes. And they <laughs> where they spot the ball is you, you can't ever tell, really, because they just bring the ball back to some other yard line and then they go. So overall, though, I mean, I think we saw a good quarterback play. Uh, and as you mentioned, Tyler, first pass of the day was batted down by a defensive lineman. I think, to me, still pretty concerned. Um, you know, I know I'm encouraged by the offensive line that it's going to be better, but I, you know, it's it wasn't great today. I thought Jennings Dunker was um, had some trouble at right tackle. Now Iowa has good defensive ends um, that were causing problems, and Aaron Graves was dominating today from the defensive time. I mean, Noah Shannon out, uh, re- supposed to return to practice this week, but may miss, you know, several games with the gambling investigation or longer. So, uh, that was good to see Aaron Graves too, kind of dominating. Like you hoped he would, but that caused some of the pressure as well. I don't know. That, that was my thoughts.
1: Some, I guess some other notes I had from an offensive standpoint, cause that's probably what people want to hear about is, um, so, who was mostly, at least it seemed like, running with the ones. So there was no Nico Ragaini today, but uh, Deontay Vines and Seth Anderson were at wide receiver. And then Iowa was going with the the two tight end sets with Luke Lachey on the line, and then Eric All, transferred from Michigan, uh, you know, spread out. And, and Kirk Ferentz said after uh, the scrimmage that that's something that they're going to utilize is using both of those guys on the field at the same time, because he feels like those are two of their, uh, better players. So I think that's something interesting, uh, to kind of note and track. And also I'm encouraged and and I don't think this is too much of a surprise, but by I was what they could be doing in the running game because of their running backs. And some of this will, be relying on the offensive line. But I think LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson could be a really, a really good tandem. And Kirk Ferentz said on Friday at at media day that LaShawn Williams is, he thinks he's had the best camp that he, that he has had since he's been at Iowa. And he's a guy that's like a, you know, really veteran presence that's been around for a while. And then obviously what Caleb Johnson did last season as a freshman and and LaShawn Williams on um, Saturdays today, uh, he had a long or a, explosive touchdown run I would call it and uh, Caleb Johnson didn't do anything too crazy crazy there was one play where it was kind of on the sideline coming toward me and he made some dude he just juked him out of his shoes so I think uh when you hope that he can he is getting some more elusiveness make guys miss ability coming into this season that was kind of on display right there so I think tight end and running backs are like you you expect Iowa to be good in the tight end department and, and, and the running back department, uh honestly, but I think that those are two position groups that have some depth and some talent that can really kind of help Cade McNamara and maybe take some pressure off of wide receivers and um just be a be a good be good tools for the offense.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you brought up the running backs. Um yeah, I think those two rooms right now are are very strong. <clears throat> and even Kamari Moulton, true freshman. He showed some burst, you know, in that fourth or fifth string, you know, type of guy. And Kirk had good things to say about him, you know. So uh, Liddell Betts' room is really in good shape right now, and that's good, especially when you're, you know, a little bit thin. Obviously, at quarterback, which we talked about. Um, And I'm going to say, like, yeah, today was an encouraging day for me at wide receiver because I think uh, I think Anderson showed me something today. Seth Anderson. And we've been hearing his name a little bit in camp. And Kirk did say that this was Anderson's best day. He made, he made a joke like this. Maybe this – he likes it when the lights come on or with the fans here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, uh, between Vines and Anderson and Regaini and then Caleb Brown, you can tell Caleb Brown is going to be coming – will become part of the pr- plans at some point because he's – I don't know if you watched him a lot just even in the, the warm-up drills, but, man, he's he's just smooth. He's a smooth athlete. Uh, he makes nice catches. I didn't see him drop anything. Um, I feel like that that is probably going to be your top four. There was no Alec Wick today. There was no Jack Johnson who's in, in the gambling investigation. Um, you know, the there wasn't a lot of walk-on usage. Jacob Bostic was out. Um, you know, until, until you got deeper into the lineup. And, and in fact, I, I should give a shout-out to two true freshmen who who popped a little bit, um, Jarrett Bowie, uh, number 84, right? I think he's 84. Yeah, he made a catch, and so did Dayton Howard, number 20. So those two guys um, who Kelton Copeland kind of identified at media day as the two true freshman receivers who kind of raising some eyebrows, I feel like that is encouraging too. So I feel like the wide receiver room, is you just want it to be like you, like you've said about the offense Tyler you just want it to be not bad <laughs> you know so if they can be average and i i thought we saw flashes today where guys were you know getting open that's encouraging to me the line that's let's talk about the line now um i wrote about it out of media day it's i think it's the biggest story of the whole team now this would have been the bigger story <laughs> if cade was hurt i will say that but if the line cannot come together it's going to be a struggle. So uh let's talk about the line. Now, you know, right or left to right, Mason Richmond, Connor Colby, Logan Jones, Nick DeYoung, Jennings Dunker. That was your five today. And then uh, Rusty Feth rotated in at left guard. So, uh not really any much uh, more deviation from that from the ones on the o-line today. Your thoughts.
1: Yeah, like I said before, I think it looked better than what I had seen from last season. But at the same time, there were some seemed to be still some issues. And I, and I will add to, um, that I, it didn't, it seemed like Iowa was trying to maybe air it out a little bit more. Like there weren't, it wasn't as like, uh, strict about just, you know, their, their normal kind of schematic running. Cause in it, I think that, and you were talking about Cade, not being as much of a game manager. And I think if, there's a time to kind of try stuff out and expound your, expand your boundaries a little bit. Like this is the time to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a, a lot of when we talk about Seth Anderson and, and Caleb Brown and Cade McNamara um, that a lot of that is going to be relying on what the offensive line does. And that, that unit is probably going to be, uh, you know, the most important when it comes to Iowa success this season um, but yeah, I guess th- those are kind of my thought. I will also say, I believe, uh, Deacon Jones, it seemed like, did he, he had some, uh, there were a couple of snaps or he, he had trouble handling some snaps. I don't know. If that was on Logan Jones, or but I will, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Deacon Hill. Yeah, not Deacon. Oh, Deacon
1: Hill. My fault. My fault. (laughs) He
0: did combine the center and quarterback there. So there we go. That's what no. no, It was uh, no. The center was actually Tyler Ellsbury uh, when they had the exchange. Not that you know. Again, uh, we're not criticizing anybody, but it was the two line that that had the center exchange issues. I thought Jones was fine on center exchanges, as far as I could tell. Um, but good. And the second line was was not good. I mean that you have to. There were some names on there that aren't going to play, and I'm not going to single anyone out. But especially on the edges, those, those guys just are not in the rotation. Um, you know, with Dayon Parker out at right tackle today, that depleted Iowa's depth at tackle. And then um, you know, Bo Stevens played some as the backup right guard. Um, but it seemed to me their top six was the six that was with the ones. Um, and I, you know, Dunker did not have a great day. Uh, I would say. So I, it makes you wonder if Nick DeYoung maybe has to pop out to right tackle. He's got experience there. They trust him a little bit more. We'll see. There's still time in camp to, uh, it just sounded like from talking to Barnett yesterday that Dunker is a guy that thinks and thinks and overthinks a lot. So sometimes that's hard to shake, especially three weeks out. I think what Kirk Ferentz said today about Dunker, who we know is a, a physical phenom, is they're just trying to have him zero in at right tackle, which I think is smart because they, they have good guards right now between Feth, Colby you know, they, you have young stays at guard. And then of course, Stevens, they've got experience there and Ellsbury who, who is the backup center, but can also be a guard. So they really need that right tackle spot to be solidified. And that's, that's the one spot that really concerns me. Um, and again, center, it's gotta be good. They say Logan Jones is going to be good. You know, Aaron Graves is a different animal, uh, but they could not stop Aaron Graves today. So I'm going to just say kind of an average day for the line. And, uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, one more thing on the line. It's in my article, but Mason Richmond played last season hurt. He got hurt in August. Was not really disclosed that he was playing hurt all year before, and so he kind of chalked that up again as Iowa didn't have any better options at left tackle last year, and he was still probably the best lineman. And uh, you know he had to play through it. Had a four week, four month surgery, four months recovery from surgery. Not a four month surgery. <laughs> That'd be a tough surgery four months. Need a lot of IVs. But uh yeah, he's back and, and look fine at left tackle.
1: Yeah, maybe I mean if they could find a, a Deacon Jones, maybe like a little combination <laughs> between Deacon Hill and Logan Jones, that, that would be someone good to plug in there, but uh, <laughs> a little combination between them both. That's what I was looking for. But um no, uh one of the other things, uh I guess moving on from O line yeah, quarterback let's move on. tandems, uh is one thing that actually that, that stood out to me a lot was um Iowa's defensive back cornerback specifically, and we touched on it a little bit. Um, but that was that's already one of the departures that Iowa has to deal with this season. Riley Moss, a huge part of what they did the last few seasons. He's gone now. And the situation, I guess, was shaken up a little bit more because Cooper DeGene was out as well today, which like you said, Kirk Ferentz is optimistic he'll be back uh, in the near future, but that kind of opened the door to figure out like, what is I was cornerback depth look like. And I was really encouraged by that because Deshaun Lee had two picks and Jamari Harris had a pick and, and Jamari Harris, I think is expected to be the guy to play, Opposite of Cooper to Gene to start, and he had a pick. Uh, I said, like I said, he had a pick, but he was he he made big plays in twenty twenty one. Missed all of twenty twenty two, coming off of an injury. Now uh it, it feels like he is going to be a real key because people are probably going to throw away from Cooper to Gene. So whoever's on that other side is going to see some action. But he looked. I mean, he had a pick. He looked good. He looked good out there, and. It's not only that, but when you have someone like Deshaun Lee, TJ Hall, who who also made plays as well on Saturday, is that if you think about what happened in the, the Nebraska game last season, you need depth at cornerback because Cooper DeGene went down in that game and Trey Palmer just torched Iowa in the secondary. So it's not just that, okay, is Jamari Harris going to be able to be the guy that's going to play opposite of Cooper DeGene? It's. If someone else, if Cooper DeGene goes down, if Jamari Harris goes down, if if they're out for some reason, who else can you plug in? And I think it was encouraging today that TJ Hall made plays, that uh, Deshaun Lee w- w- made some really good plays. I was, you know, I thought he, he was impressive. So I think it's not only who's going to be the guy opposite of Cooper, but who are the two or three behind him as well that can just add depth if, if needed to be plugged in.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't a day where you noticed the safeties much at all, Xavier Wampa or Quinn Schulte. Maybe that was good because uh, when you think about it, Luke Lachey didn't have a catch. Um, maybe they just weren't targeting the tight ends as much today, just trying to get those receivers involved. But um, you know, nothing that stood out, but also nothing where they didn't. You know, where it's like, oh gosh, you know that was a big mistake. So um, I, I would say solid safety play. And then uh, they're really they're good on. I think they're good with Castro at the cash um so starting to feel better about the secondary after today i would say i'm glad you brought that up uh between deshaun lee and tj hall i mean we've been hearing deshaun lee kind of creeping up on the depth chart and if you know jamari harris isn't ready or, or has to miss some time for any reason you know you gotta have tj and deshaun lee those are pretty much the next two and then there's devin hilson and brendan diaz fernandez is probably your next two at corner so um, you know, Diaz Fernandez, I think, is doing a little bit more of the cash or star. So, um, you know, they're developing some depth. And that was one of the storylines we've talked about in radio. They got to get depth in that secondary. You think it's going to happen with Phil Parker, but seems like it's happening. They feel good about it. And just talking to people like kind of on the side, off the record, it, there's just a really good vibe overall about this team. And that <laughs> just to kind of bring it all full circle here, Tyler, it's like, What can undo this thing? Uh, Gambling and quarterback getting hurt, right? So uh, I know you. I wrote, you know, we've talked enough about Cade, but let's get into the gambling, which you wrote about yesterday. Uh, You know, Noah Shannon talked. You know, I'll let you speak to it, but, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz is kind of moving ahead with the guys they got, right?
1: Yeah, I I think admirably – Noah Shannon was just kind of like he's not gonna let this define him in any any way, shape, or form. And the fact that he also didn't have to be out there talking, that that he was willing to kind of, he said, you know, he said that the media has been showed him respect, so he wanted to show respect back. And I thought that that was kind of a sign of leadership. But as he kind of goes through what I would assume is a difficult process for him. um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like, and this is kind of what I wrote about that. Well, it's first off, it's been nice that we've kind of gone this entire time first 30 minutes without like mentioning the gambling. Cause it just, it's felt like kind of uh it's just, it's loomed. It's felt like the last few months and, and as it gets closer and there, there's still no closer to the beginning of the season and there's still no resolution. And in fact, there's been more information kind of uncovered that has raised some red flags that you wonder, like, how much of an impact could it actually have on the season? Like, and the thing that I look at too is like the margin for error this season is probably not going to be very big. And it, it, because it wasn't last season, you look at the games that Iowa barely beat South Dakota State in the opener, they lose by three to Iowa State, they lose by three to Illinois. They squeak past Minnesota. Like these games are not like there's they're the margin for error. One misstep, one player gone, uh, it can make a difference, and it can and, and it can change where Iowa goes in the season. Like against Nebraska, all they need to do is beat Nebraska to uh, to go to the Big Ten championship. Cooper DeGene gets hurt, just things shake up, and, and, and so that's why I say. If Iowa does lose someone because of the gambling thing, or there's one day of practice that's thrown off because of just the the all of the extra noise or whatever, like the margin for error is small, so that's why I it's just another variable that that the team and the coaches have to deal with along with everything else of trying to improve the offense and working in all these new pieces and getting the offensive line better and replacing Jack Campbell and Seth Benson and Riley Moss and Kayvon Merriweather. Like it's just an, it's another kind of variable that they're going to have to deal with as they try to get back to Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. It, it does not, you know, just for those wondering, you're like, well, you know, how come Noah Shannon hasn't been in the DCI stuff? Well, he kind of basically said yesterday and you can, kind of extrapolate this, but, you know, he he is not involved in a criminal investigation. And, and that's that's from his mouth. It's, that's his understanding. He's not, <laughs> you know, criminally, he's not an investigation. It's in the NCAA's hands with Noah. I mean, he was above 21 um, when whatever he made these wagers, whatever they were on. Um, he did not seem super concerned about the severity of it, but obviously – there has to be a ruling he can't play until they rule so like if he's still waiting just like in the baseball situation he's got to, iowa can't play him and then and if because if he does get suspended then you have to forfeit those games i know we've been over this before but for those new it's a, it is a serious situation in that sense and then you know could there be others potentially yeah we don't and we don't know you know there are others but we don't know who they are um for sure, and uh, just have to wait and see on that. So, you know, there might be a guy that just doesn't show up week one, you know, and, and we'll see how they deal with it. But but it does seem like, you know, and I can't remember, when did the Iowa State stuff break? Was that Friday or Thursday? Thursday, right?
1: It was um, late in later in the yeah, week. Yeah, it was Thursday
0: because media day was yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, was yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, Iowa State's just getting kind of hammered right now. With. I mean, they're, they've lost five starters from last year's team to the gambling. Now, will they all be out? Probably, <laughs> based on the stuff we've seen, uh, at least the first couple of weeks, which is when Iowa fans care about it. So, it's a much, you know, as I guess I'll, I'll put it this way, Tyler, and you know, for everything that kind of went down in May with the gambling and investigation coming out, and there's you know, 26 current athletes at Iowa, 15 at Iowa State. You know, in football for both schools, you're thinking, "Oh boy, how bad is this going to be for Iowa?" I mean, if if it's just "quote unquote" Noah Shannon, Aaron Blom, and Jack Johnson, um, to an extent, you feel like Iowa's getting off a lot easier than Iowa State is at this point. So, overall, to me, not as big of a story as it is in Ames.
1: And I'll add this: I don't want to spend too much more time talking about you know the gambling and. Uh, stuff but it part of the thing that makes it so difficult is just kind of the uncertainty about it right we just there's just we don't know a lot about the situation and it doesn't seem like kirk ferentz really does either because when we talked to him back at big 10 media days he basically said he he wasn't aware of any allegations of iowa players betting on their own games and and we have known now since then there are allegations about multiple Iowa and former or current players. Uh, there are allegations about them betting on games that they were a part of the Iowa program for. So that just shows that basically Kirk Ferentz is probably also in the dark with some of this too, which the uncertainty just makes the situation more complicated. Uh, I don't know how to segue into this, but let's talk about line. I want to talk about linebackers. <laughs> um, but so um, Nick Jackson and, and Jay Higgins, and obviously the linebackers is, is one of the kind of departures that Iowa has to fill this season with Seth Benson and Jack Campbell gone and, and really kind of the, a big, a big part of Iowa's defense. And um, but Nick Jackson uh, transferred from Virginia, Jay Higgins, just kind of waited his turn uh, at Iowa for an opportunity like this. They were playing with each other at linebacker today, and I thought there was also too, if I recall correctly, time where we've heard the name, we've heard Kyler Fisher's name a little bit, but there was a time where all three of them were on the field at the same time, which I thought was interesting because he's another guy that uh, could be an option to kind of plug in at linebacker. But I, w- I thought it was interesting that those three. And maybe those are the the, they need they want those three guys on the field because they're the best defensive players that they have, and they're trying to fit them in. So I thought that that was interesting. Of um, you know you you assume that Nick Jackson and and Jay Higgins and and then throwing Kyler Fisher are kind of emerging to help fill that lost production. But the fact that you know if if I remember correctly that those three uh, were on the field at the same time.
0: Definitely seems like those are the top three. Carson Shire, uh, promising linebacker, <clears throat> excuse me, out was one of those out with injury today. So we know Jaden Harrell's kind of in that mix, but I think you're right. The top three are going to be Higgins, Jackson, and Fisher with Higgins and Jackson, your your primary two guys. It sounds like Jackson's really doing well. I know Kirk Ferris kind of undersold him a little bit yesterday, said he's kind of drinking through the fire hose or whatnot. Um, not literally. I don't. Uh, that would be torture, but uh, yeah. uh, I think he's gonna be fine. I think they're gonna be fine there. Um, last, let's just do a couple more. Like anyone who stood out, I'm gonna go with Brian Allen, defensive end, uh, redshirt freshman. Uh, boy, he was like living in the backfield today. Uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz gave him kind of the Seth Anderson shout out. That uh, hey, when the light, this is his best day. When maybe when the lights come on, he's a little bit better. Um, which tells you, yeah, he hasn't. this hasn't been in prevalent all camp. And, you know, I thought he looked great. Uh, it's what you want to see. Iowa needs depth there, defensive end. You know, they're going to need it next year. You want to see that stuff developing. Uh, and, uh, frankly, I thought um, Deontay Craig in his limited reps was, was really good as well on the D-line. Uh, anyone else that stood out to you today, Tyler, before we get to our three-word headlines?
1: Uh, Max White uh, running yeah. back. He had a he had a nice run kind of down the sideline, broke it, uh, and bounced it outside. Uh, so he was kind of another younger guy. I thought I, I don't I can't remember if he did anything else outside of that, but I think that was one of the kind of earlier bigger plays of the day. So
0: yeah, and I'm gonna give Tory Taylor a shout too. I mean his his punting accuracy was exquisite. <laughs> I mean he was he was dropping every single punt like it would like bounce and like go out like inside the one or somebody would down it or catch it like at the eight. That was like a bad kick, you know, like he, his directional stuff. He said, he's really been working on that uh, a lot. So we'll see if Tori can be, you know, take that next step. Even, you know, he's probably gonna be first team preseason all America at punter and uh, he's uh, he looks good. So Give a shout out to the punter. Uh, We did some three word headlines today, Tyler. This would be kind of your first run through these, but this will be a post game staple as well. Not, you know, not a million responses like we get in in games, but people didn't watch this really, other than those who were there. So uh, let's get into some of them. Uh, Brandon Walker starts us off season disaster averted. I would say so, (laughs) honestly. Austin Richardson, hope is fragile. Um, and here's one from uh, Mo uh, not I don't think it's actually him from The Simpsons, but it says, Where's Spencer Petrus? <laughs> there were some funny gifs and tweets in that one hour between 117 and 217 where people were starting to say, Oh my gosh, is Spencer Petrus going to come back now? Uh, off the injury list and BIO is savior at quarterback, Tyler.
1: Yeah. My, can I give my headline, my three word. mine was, I am sunburnt. I don't think it, honestly, it isn't too bad, but I had it like SPF 30, but I was reapplying cause the thing was, I was, it was, it was cooking. It was cooking in the stands it was hot out there, man. Yeah. Especially like if you're near the turf or on the turf, like That, that is, it heats up um but i also had a bucket hat like i said that's why my hair is kind of crazy but um they 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 provided water which i was thankful for but it was uh yeah that was my headline between yesterday and today yeah it's been yeah we've been in Uh, the sun a lot
0: tim tim mcmahon says bubble wrap cade joe williams soft tissue injuries um uh, Patrick, the Hawkeye high priest who has uh, a, a photo of of Jesus in Hawkeye gear, uh, says Cade is fine. And then Heavens, uh, Heavens FX, who does some great work on Twitter, says heartwarming to heart stopping. So you get the kids captains, the children's hospital, you know, patients uh, come out to midfield, meet with the Kirk, meet with, with the team. And then uh, heart stopping, certainly a one seventeen p.m., that uh, the time that goes down in infamy. Uh, Just no Walter Cronkite. Uh, It was, uh, you know, all in all, I think you're going to just kind of gasp aside relief today. I'm just looking at Twitter right now. Cade McNamara is trending. So this was a big story today. (laughs) Okay, Tyler. uh, The only open practice we get to see, basically, and, uh, you know, QB1 went down. So disaster averted, as some of these uh, headliners said.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to add, because when you were talking about uh, Kirk Ferentz saying like, oh, the guys, when the lights come on, like maybe, you know, maybe they like playing. Uh, Well, I was just trying to think of like, if I'm, st- I'm, tr- I'm starting to pick up, I don't know if they're like Ferentzisms or like little phrases he, he likes to say, but like, because at, at Big Ten Media Days, he, he was making a lot of baseball and basketball metaphors. So I'm Yeah, he will do
0: that. Baseball especially, yes.
1: So I w- I was just trying to think if I'm I'm starting to pick up on, I guess, some of the I don't know, maybe that because you were saying about what he said about Nick Jackson that he's drinking out of the fire hose, maybe that's his way of saying that he's gonna be really good. So I don't, <laughs> I don't.
0: <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um well we you know we went a little long here on this Hawk Central Pod. Um the plan is you know, obviously, we'll have the radio show next week, but uh, you know, from now until game week, you know, we don't really have media availability. This was the big rush. This is the informational rush. Tyler and I, uh, we both did like three straight hours of interviews on Friday, and uh, we have a lot of stories kind of building up in our notebooks. So uh, that's kind of hold. It's kind of like you know, hibernating for the winter. Uh, you know, you eat a bunch before yeah, you go into the deep sleep. Uh, we got a lot more stocked up. We got a lot of content coming. We're going to kind of roll that out here the next couple of weeks. And before you know it, folks, it's going to be game week against Utah State. I mean, that's like, so today's August 11th. Uh, good chance we'll get a depth chart, uh, a week one depth chart, either 13 days or 16 days from now, uh, depending when they send the game notes. So We'll have maybe a better idea then, like, who's available week one, who's not. Um, I guess maybe, what, folks are going to probably watch the Hawkeye football account and see if they can find Cade McNamara in videos, right? Like, if they see yeah. him throwing, it's just going to be, like, celebration, 12-0 and 0 back on, all this <laughs> stuff, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I was also going to mention, so because I mentioned it in the radio show on Wednesday, but so I got to try the hot dog gun, uh or the hot dog launcher.
0: Yeah. Dervener slinger.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, I will say the first, so I, I, I shot it twice. This was on Saturday or Friday. This was on Friday. First time it went like a total of 15 feet maybe, but I think, look, I'll take this for the team. I think it was a user error. I just, I think I'll take that one. I think it was on me. Next one thing went flying up in like, up in the stands, So no, so basically it's a hot dog and they wrap it in this like paper. And then they put it in the, like a little shoot or whatever. So it's basically like a, uh, sh- like a t-shirt gun, except it's hot dogs and they were shooting it off, uh, today. So looks like it works. And also I'll say, cause, um, being close to the field today, uh, Seth Wallace is, is intense. and, <laughs> and, He, I, I'm not going to repeat some of the stuff he said because I don't know if it's not PG, I'll just put it that way, but it was kind of, it was interesting to hear him. He's, he's hard on, on, he was hard on the linebackers and in their drills and he, he was intense. So I'll just, I, I thought as someone that hasn't really like observed these coaches up close, on, like, I don't know if this is like new information to you. I'm guessing not. But anyways, that's just what no, I I'm surprised said. you
0: didn't hear. Phil Parker.
1: Uh, I the only thing I remember from him was he, he told Cooper DeGene to like get guys to move back on the sideline. Like that was what Cooper to was supposed to be. All right, so responsible for. Nice today. Okay. Yeah, but no. Anyways, that's I just wanted to throw that out there as well as something I observed. Yeah, uh, one of
0: the cool interviews that I was able to do and. Others did too. So it's not just exclusive, but John Budmeyer talked yesterday. First time we've heard from him since, uh, he came aboard. I mean, the highlights really are, you know, he just loves being here. He loves being part of the Hawkeyes. And this is former Badger quarterback, former Badgers assistant wearing Hawkeye gear, uh, trying to help the, uh, you know, help Brian Ferentz in the quarterback's room. That's just one of the several stories kind of working on here in coming weeks, uh, coming days, coming weeks. But, uh, we're excited. I'm excited to embark on the season with Tyler. Uh, you know, I think we're off to a great start and, uh, thanks for doing the video clips today, man. I think a, a lot of fans out there, uh, really appreciated it and, uh, you know, appreciate you taking a sunburn for the team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll also, the, this was another little nugget and from media days. And I, I'll just say like, we've been running around so much the last two days. Like I, I'm making sure I'm just getting my socks on the right way. So, but
0: <laughs> drinking from a fire hose, right?
1: Yeah, pretty. Much, uh, that means I'm. Yeah, that means I'm gonna be really good, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, Nick Jackson speaks Chinese, so I thought that was interesting. You know, that <laughs> That's many people super that speak Chinese around here. So, anyways yeah. he he gave a little sample. He said, "I can't even remember to be honest," but he said something about the Hawkeyes and. <laughs> i posted on twitter so
0: there you go there you go follow tyler tashman on twitter uh thanks folks for tuning in this was a fun fun weekend uh, always a busy one for us and uh, hopefully we gave you guys some good content and more to come promise and uh we'll be on the hawk central radio show on wednesday thanks for tuning in for chat for tyler tashman i'm chad Leistico. talk to you soon